Thank you so much for being here. Good morning. How are you all? I'm very, very pleased to see you on this wet uh, Sunday. It's, uh, it's, a, it's an encouraging thing to see so many of you here. We're talking about um, giving. This will be the last day we're going to be talking about that. I've, I'm absolutely amazed how, um, how normally I'm very intimidated to do this, almost apologetic, and I don't feel that way in this particular case. I've, um, I've learned um, a whole lot about what the Bible talks about as far as um, how we should give unto the Lord. Now, what we have, what we have uh, learned so far, and hopefully you know, also I want to make a couple more announcements, but what we've learned so far, and hopefully you know, is that the whole premise in the church of tithing is not biblical to, to the giving that is called for in the New Testament church. A tithe was an Old Testament sacrament that was laid upon the people, and it was a tax upon them. And most people come to say because a a tithe meant a tenth, to believe that that was a tenth, but really what they were saying was a tithe was a whole. It was they gave of their all. They gave their tithe, their tax. And they gave the tax in the Old Testament three different times. And it was required. They had to do it. They gave it to the government so that the government of Israel would run better. They gave it so that the poor might have food and might have anything that they might need if they've hit difficult times. It's like a welfare program. And also they tithe, they gave required once, uh, uh, also a year, for the the nation of of Israel, for the, the Levites, who are the spiritual leaders. And so what we learned was that a a, a tithe was required. They had to give it. You and I are not asked to give in church. It's not required. You do not have to give. We, in the New Testament, have been taught that we are to give a free will offering. Same thing they did in the Old Testament. When they gave, they gave a free will offering that was not the tithe. It wasn't a tax. It's what they gave unto the Lord. And each person gave as was measured out in their own hearts what they were capable of giving. And so we're not going to, if you ever feel a pressure to give, coerced to give, if you give anything beyond what you can give cheerfully unto the Lord, then you might as well not give it. And so this is not a church where we're going to try to say you have to give. It's it's not that. But what it is, in this whole idea of our free will offering unto the Lord, as in anything else that we do unto Him, there is blessings that come from obedience. And what I want to try to teach is that how the Bible speaks to our being obedient in giving back to the Lord how He has given to us. The whole premise, as we're going to see in a moment or two, is really found out of the the prayer of King David when they were giving a free will offering as anyone's heart moved them, David said they gave freely. It wasn't a tithe. It wasn't required. It was a free will offering. And David said when he prayed to God for them giving this much money, he said it's in in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, the 14th verse. I've kind of almost put it to memory. He said to the people... Really, he said to God in his prayer, Who am I? Who am I, dear God? And who are the people 
that we can offer to you as generously as we do. And then he said these words, and it was where I get the whole idea of the cycle of giving. He said, what we have received from your hand, we give back to you in return. The whole idea that God has blessed you and me. He has blessed us abundantly. He has given each of us blessings, not just financially, but talent. Not just talent, time. All who you are, God has given to you. And that whole process that he initially takes and gives you, whatever it is that he gives you, you take that portion thereof and offer it back to him. And it, and it, 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 it encompasses all of your lives, all that you are. When we started t- taking a look at this whole process of who are we as a church, wanted you to feel comfortable with the Rock Community Church. Wanted you to feel comfortable with the church that you worshipped in. Wanted you to know that there weren't a lot of bells and whistles and smoke and mirrors and, and, and different things that you had to do to be a, a faithful Christian. And so we thought, what does a New Testament church look like? What, what ought we look like as a body of believers? And we came to the idea that it's really founded, if you look closely, in Acts chapter 2. Verses 41 and 42, it said that there was 3,000 people that gathered together, and the one thing it said that they had in common is they were continually devoting themselves. And that's the, that's the key to what I want us to be as, at this church. I, I would love for you and me to be at this church as a group of people who are continually devoting ourselves to the things of God. And in that 42nd verse of Acts chapter 2, it says four things. They were continually devoting themselves to the teachings of the apostles, they were continually devoting themselves to fellowship. And so we learned what that meant. We learned that fellowship really meaning partnering, meaning how you share with one another. The whole idea of us gathering together is that we would fellowship with one another, partner with one another. You and 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 me, we've all been given gifts. God has given us a gift. This gift he has given to you and me to be used in the confines of the church so that we might, as it says in Ephesians 4.12, equip one another. Your gift equips me. My gift equips you. All of our gifts together help equip one another so as to do the work of service, whatever that is that the church is called to do. That we would equip one another to do whatever work it is that we have to do. And here's your goal in life. If you want to know what is your goal as a believer in Jesus Christ, at the end of Ephesians 4.12 it says, so that we might build up the body of Christ. That's our purpose. And so we came upon that whole idea of, of, uh, of, of Acts 2.42 where we have the teaching of the word of God, we have the fellowship or the equipping one another, and then we have communion so that we can remember what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and how we can forgive not only ourselves but one another. And then we learned how to prayer, and now we're talking about giving. And lastly, we're going to talk next week about worship, how we worship the Lord our God. We felt really good about this whole idea of letting the people know what we believed in. Felt really good about it when I received a book. One of the people in our church gave us a, gave me a book and pointed me to one particular page. The book was written by a man that I feel is one of the great, great men of God in, our, in this our time. 
Um, whatever you might think about them, Pastor Chuck Smith over at Calvary Chapel has done something that is is utterly amazing on this this world in which we live. If the Lord tarries a couple hundred years from now, there is going to be a denomination. There is going to be a group of people who are Calvary Chapelists, whatever they're going to call themselves. And it started by by the pastor Chuck Smith as he had a, a vision of what God would have him do. And he wrote this book, and in this book it talked about the end times. And he mentioned in this book, on this book that this person gave me that, that had the page numbered, that he says that, that if you want to really be a church, we all ought to be an Acts 2 church. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, we're doing something right, because I, we just did that. We just felt that that was right. And he says, to be a church, to be a, a church that has established itself is what our Lord wants. We're to be a church that is continually devoting ourselves to the things of God. And yet, though he writes a couple of paragraphs later, he says, but that church... And we see in Acts chapter 2, by the end of the century, had fallen apart. It became fragmented because of, of problems from within, as well as heresy and, and, and false teachers from without. And the church started to crumble. And I think to myself, could we not, could we not hold it together could we not be a group of believers, a group of people who just just love one another, just equip one another, be a church that, that, that does the things that God has called us to do as a family, to pray for a, a sweet young girl, to pray for the, the family, to be a church that can, can, can forgive one another, can, can really be all that God's called us to be. In my lifetime, I would love to see that happen. I would love to see us be that. And so that's how we'd started off on this journey of, of, of being a people who are continually devoting ourselves to these things. And so part of that whole process in Acts chapter 2 is it taught about giving and it teaches about worship. And I thought to myself, what is a church, what does a New Testament church look like when it gives properly and it's not that difficult to find. It's not that difficult to investigate. And so we started off on this journey a few weeks ago looking at it. Now, let me ask you this. I want to say a couple of things, a couple of announcements. And I'm sorry that I didn't put this in the front. It should have been. shouldn't have interrupted this message with this, but this is important. Starting Monday, March the 10th, each Monday for 22 weeks, we're going to have, um, I don't know, a seminar. We're going to have a, a time of teaching about uh, a marriage, an Acts 2 marriage. It's one of the, marriage is one of the most sacred institutions that we have on this earth. The church and marriage, God ordained to both. And we're going to have this, this class on March the 10th, every Monday, for 22 weeks, called Exemplary Husbands, Excellent Wives. It is going to be a wonderful class. It's, it's going to be for all of you who are engaged, for those of us who are married. Even if you have a good, great marriage, come. Your marriage can get better. Even for those who are single, come. It would be very helpful to understand what the Bible has to say about marriage. And so the registration is out there in the foyer. It begins this weekend. And in your bulletin will be details. You can stop by the foyer and, uh, 
and sign up. We'd love to know that you're coming. We would really count it a privilege for you to come and be a part of this great time. Uh, March the 10th, Monday, for 22 Mondays, we will meet and talk about marriages. Friday, to tell you where our church is and the way things are going, Friday, we had over 90, 90 people go to our junior high and high school winter, uh, winter camp. Yeah, I, I think it deserves that. For a church that's four years old, to have that many young people go to camp and uh, with, the, with the leadership and all. And so we had a time of prayer here, and they'll be coming back tonight. And, and when, I, when I open up in, now in prayer, I would love for us to remember those young people that they would come, number one, that they would just been blessed while they were up there and that they would come home safely. Um, so I talked about that, I talked about that. Now I can get into the message. Let's pray. Dear, dear Father, we came to you on behalf of, um, of Melody. And Father, we ask that you would bless her. We come, Father, for those, some here in this, this church building right now have other people that they've been praying for, too. We just didn't mention them by name, but you know their names. You know every single one. You can hear the prayers going up to you now from those of us here in this building who have loved ones or someone that we are concerned about praying for their health or their salvation or whatever. Pray, Father, that you would uh, bless them. I pray your blessings upon the, the things that we do here, this uh, marriage seminar that we'll be having about exemplary husbands and excellent wives, that that would be a blessing for our people. And so, Father, what we ask is that you would please bless this time that we are going to spend with one another right now as we close up this, this series, this uh, series on, on giving that we might be as a people understanding what it is you say to us about how we are to handle the finances that you have given to us in the first place. And so, Father, would you please bless this time? Would you take me and move me aside, please, Father? Let us um, hear from your heart about how we are to handle our, our time, our talent, our, our spiritual gifts, and the finances too, Father, that you've given to us. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. What I hope that you have begun to see is that how we give to the Lord of our finances, but of our time, but of our talent, how we give to the Lord is so critical. Our time spent within the Word of God, it's critical for us as believers. It's critical to understand forgiveness so that we might forgive ourselves for any sins that we have committed, asking the Lord to forgive us, but more importantly, forgive others for anything that they might have done. That we would be faithful to use the gifts that He has given us, the time that He has given us, the talent that He has given us, and that we would be faithful giving to Him His portion of what He has given to us in return. It would be critical that our prayer time and our honoring the Lord in His name would be important for us, that we would be a people that are continually devoting ourselves to the things of God, that we would come and attend church regularly. How, how, how encouraging it is to see. On, on, I know it doesn't seem like much, but on a wet morning for you to come out 
You know, most Southern Californians, uh, you know, we better hope that the rapture doesn't happen when it rains. There's going to be a lot of Christians that don't want to leave the house, you know. <laughs> and so it's critical how we handle every aspect of our lives. One of the ways that you and I worship the Lord is lived out and seen vividly through not only the way, but the attitude in which we give back to the Lord what He has so graciously given to us. And so let me try to explain. In the, in the remaining, as you can see, there's a lot of verses we're going to take a look at. We're going to go through all of those verses today, and, and to some of them I'm going to ask you to turn to, to others I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm just going to say because you're going to know them, most of them. We've said them before. But first I want you to turn to Luke chapter 6, please. Critical. I want you to see something that is mentioned over and over again. It says, look, it says in, in uh, I think it's in 2 Corinthians, if you sow sparingly, you're going to what? Reap sparingly. Okay. It says if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. That's not just a, a, a cute phrase. There is truth to this message. There is truth to what the Lord has to say about the way we handle our finances. He says in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will pour into your lap. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Now, it doesn't take a genius to understand what our Lord is saying here. By the standard by the which you give, the measure that you give will be measured back to you in return. Now, I want you to hear this and hear it clearly. I've said it a few times. I'm going to say it again. We are not a prosperity theology church. In other words, it is not, this is not a name it and claim it place. We believe God's in complete control. God's in complete charge. And so we are not by any stretch of the imagination teaching here that if you give, you're going to get back in return. But, as anyone can see by a study of the Word of God, Scripture gives us promises that cannot be denied. Give, and it shall be given back to you. And I am a living testament, testimony that that is true. And I say that not on any merit of my own self. I learned it entirely from my wife. My wife is a giver by nature, and she gives. And I've learned from her that we cannot, as a family unit, outgive the Lord. He has been so gracious to us. It is it goes beyond measure that that what we are saying here is biblically true. You give unto the Lord, you get back. But our giving unto the Lord should never be motivated by what we are going to receive in return. No, we are to give. Well, turn with me now to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, please. You see, our motivation for giving ought not to be what are we going to get in return, our motivation for giving ought to be how much we love the Lord and how much we want to return back to Him a portion of the blessings that He has given to us. And by your faith, it will be measured to you by how much you want to give. And that is, never should be by coercion. No one should make you give. We just want to teach you the principle of giving so that you can make a, a, a wise decision on hand, how you handle your money. 
But it says that our treasures and our reason for giving ought not to be for this earth. It ought to be treasures that we store up in heaven. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Don't, it says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy or where thieves will break in and steal. Rather, it says in verse 20, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven because there neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then it is said so clearly by our Lord, for where your treasure is, there is where your heart's going to be. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Think about it for a moment, please. Listen and think. The greatest commodity that you and I can give to the Lord is not our time, it's not our talent, it's not our treasure. It is our hearts. That's what He wants. He wants from us because where our treasure is, there also will be our hearts. And so one of the things we want to teach here at this church is just a, is a continual devotion to the Lord, a trust in Him that goes beyond anything that we could ever dream of or imagine, that He might, he might make us realize that this is not our home, this is not our place, we're just passing through this earth, really our home is in heaven. And we need to trust in Him because... If all of our trust is up there, all of where we're going is up there, there is where our treasure will be. And there, too, will be where our hearts are. And so you and I give to the Lord simply to be obedient. Even, even if we would never receive anything back in return. But I'm telling you, by the Word of God, that would be impossible because the Word of God argues against anything that says that. God will give back. Just how much, when and where, that's his business. But nonetheless, your and my giving to the Lord is to give back to him a portion of what he has initially entrusted to us. And only then do you give what you can and what you want to give to him cheerfully. Never forget 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It says, each one must do just as they have purposed in their hearts, not grudgingly, nor under compulsion, because it says God loves what? A cheerful giver. So therefore, God is not begging for you to give more. God is not asking you to do more. God wants you to give what you can cheerfully give to Him. And we are the same. We don't want to put any pressure on you to give. We just want to tell you there are blessings out there. And we don't want you to miss them. Just as there are blessings in studying the Word of God, just as there's blessings in fellowship and using your spiritual gifts, just as there's blessings in forgiveness, so there are blessings when we are obedient in giving unto the Lord. And so He asks us, to put our treasure where our hearts are. He asks us to give, and it will be given back to us. David taught us, and I've said it already. Let me say it again. First Chronicles 29, 14. When, when, when they were building the temple unto the Lord, and David made this wonderful, most beautiful prayer unto the Lord. What he said in verse 
14 was amazing. It's where I got the whole idea about what is called the cycle of giving. I don't never remember reading it in a book. I don't remember hearing it from another preacher. But I don't think this is uh, something that's just exclusive to me. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer in the first place. And so if I found it, anybody else could. But when David said here in 1 Chronicles 29, 14, when I was reading that and studying it, it says, David said, who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as we do? And then he says, because all things come from you, God. And from your hand, from your hand, we give back to you. That's the cycle of giving. That's the whole process that ought to be in your life, your life, our lives. It should be a part of who we are as believers to understand that God has given us something. And what he has given to us, we weigh out, we measure, we, we try to determine how much can we give back to him without being grudgingly, without being under compulsion. What can we give to him? Whether it be our time, whether it be our talent, whether it be our treasure, it doesn't matter. And we give back to him. And he says he will bless you when you do that. So our giving to God is simply an investment, an investment that is is placed up in heavens itself where our treasures will be and where our hearts ought to be as well. And so he, he has given to us and we, we give back to him for, for our lives here on this earth, but also our lives in the future. We also learn that giving ought to be sacrificial. Now, I, I want you to hold on to this because this might be hard to, for some of us to, to take to. But look with me, please, at Mark chapter 12. I want you to know that when you do give unto the Lord, when you learn properly, and, and by the way, it doesn't come overnight, at least it didn't for me. It, it came in time. And now I understand that, that, that what I give unto the Lord sacrificially is where I get most of my blessings. Um, God forbid if anything were ever to happen to my wife Kay, I would still be a giver. I would still give. Because I've learned through her that I can't outgive the Lord. Let me take a little rabbit trail. My goodness, I, I, let me take a little rabbit trail. I, I got a call from, this is very personal, but I want to just share with you this because I want to give testimony that what I'm saying is true. I have a friend I, I love very much. You'll never know who he is. Um, hit on hard times. For whatever reason, he called me. He lives in another state. And he told me about it, and I said, um, I want to help you. He said, I'm not calling you for that. I said, I know. I want to help you. I said, how much do you need? He told me it was a lot, more than I had. I told him I wish I had it all. I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to my wife, and I'm going to talk with her. We're going we're gonna to send something. He says, no, don't. I stopped him. It was almost like Solomon. I said to him, oh, really, you don't want me to, to give you anything? I said, let me ask you a question. Just one question, you know. We're talking on the phone. I said to him, if, if, if I were to call you and, and I was in need and you could help me, would you? He said, right away. I said, now, now shut up and let me do this. Let me just do what I have to do. So I'm going to go talk to my wife. So I went to Kay and I knew immediately. She said, yeah, let's do it. That, let's do this. And she said, do you realize we more than likely will not get anything back? I said, no, no, no. I understand. It's okay. The other day, this was a while back, quite a while ago, 
the other day, something that, that Kay and I had closed, and we received um, money for it so far beyond what we gave. It was unbelievable. And it was again... It was again my opportunity to say, you know, this is amazing. Now, some people have said, well, you, you were supposed to get it anyways. It was an investment you made a long time ago, and it was going to come anyways. But I don't see it as that. I see it that God just gave me more. He's just faithful that way. I didn't expect it. Uh, don't know why, but it just happens. But he asks us to give that might cost us. Look at Mark chapter 12. This is a great story. I would love to have seen this take place. Jesus Christ, it says in verse 41 of Mark chapter 12, was sitting in the treasury. And he was observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums. Then verse 42 happens. It says, a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amounted to just a cent. Jesus Christ, it says in verse 43, called his disciples alongside of him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. He said in verse 44, because they put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty. She put in all she owned, all she had to live on. The point is that Jesus is talking about sacrificial giving. He is in no way saying that you and I ought to give away everything so we can't take care of our families. It's not the issue. What he was saying was this dear woman gave out of her poverty. Other people were giving out of their surplus. They could afford it. But she gave sacrificially. When I was reading this part in Scripture... It says in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, the person who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And the person who is unrighteous in very little things will also be unrighteous in much. Basically, it's saying this. Look, if you've been unfaithful with a little bit and you get a lot, you're not going to be more faithful. You know, you hear that story about people saying, man, look, I, I can't give now. We don't have much. But when we hit that lottery, boy, this church is going to be golden. I know good and well. If a person isn't giving out of their what they what little they have, they're not going <laughs> to give out a lot. It's, here's here's a commentary I read on this. It was, I don't know if it was Dr. McGee, I don't know who it was. It was. I thought it was pretty clever. It's just a story. It, it's not it's not biblical. It's, not, it's just a story to get your attention. This preacher goes out to this this farmer and the farmer is kind of haphazard and is coming to church and he comes once in a while and all that and he uses the, the, the whole thing that he's busy, you know, and the preacher says, yeah, I know, I understand. He said, but I'll tell you what, preacher. He said, well, if I had a lot of money, I'd give half of it to you. I promise you that. The preacher said, I bet if you had two cows, you'd give me one of your cows, wouldn't you? He says, you bet I would. You bet I would. He said, I bet if you had two horses, you'd give me one of your horses, wouldn't you? And he says, you bet I would. The preacher said, I bet if you had two cows, you'd give me one of your cows. He said, now hold on, pastor, you know I have two cows. <laughs> Don't mess with my cow. Oh, no, pigs. I said it wrong. Oh, shoot. I can't. That's what I can't. I don't know. Why did the Lord let me speak? I'll never know. To this day, I never know. 
I ruined the joke. But the point of it is, is it was either Dr. McGee or someone in the commentary said that people don't expect people to give if they don't know how to, to trust the Lord with what little they have. <laughs> I, I can't wait to tell my wife how stupid I am. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in their great ordeal of affliction, in their abundance of joy, they gave out of their deep poverty. And out of that overflowed the wealth of their liberality. In other words, they didn't have much. But what they gave overflowed. And why did they give? In that particular place in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 5, it says, not only did they give, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves. That's the whole idea of, of being a faithful believer is giving of yourself. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Giving is never how much you have, not how much you give. It Giving is purely a matter of, of sacrifice. We give to God from our hearts. We give of ourselves. Turn to Luke chapter 16. We are taught in Luke how to handle the, the riches that we receive on earth. And how we handle them will determine how we handle the true gifts that God gives us. In Luke chapter 16, verse 11, it says, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, in other words, your earthly riches, this is the what should have blended in with that story that I messed up. If you've not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, in other words, money, who's going to entrust to you true riches? That is the riches of heavenly things, the spiritual riches. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you so much. And I am a living testament that He does and will. Now, let's turn as we start to close to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Not only are we to give, not only are we to give not grudgingly, but with a cheerful heart. No one ought to make you give. Not only are we to give sacrificially, but we are to give predetermined the amount and the time that we want to give unto the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul writes in verse 1, Now concerning the collection for the saints, Paul says, As I directed the church, churches of Galatia, so... Do you also. In other words, what I've told them to do, I want you to do. This is for us, churches. And then he says, On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to give just on Sundays. Uh, I've already said to you, in, in our household, we have decided that we would give by check monthly. And so we do that. My wife will write out the check, how much we give, and we give it once a month. Whether we're here or not is not an issue. We could be on vacation having the best of times. We give unto the Lord our monthly check. We give as a check so as to keep track, so that we can know what we give, so that we can declare it. I would encourage you to do the same thing. 
Someone uh, said, you know, it's intimidating, though. If we give a check once a month, when the plate comes and we don't give anything, it looks like we're not doing anything. Nobody should be looking. Don't look. Don't look at your own page. Just, just watch your own page. Don't look on the other person. Don't feel intimidated. It's, it's what you give is between you and the Lord anyways. Maybe someday we'll just use uh, the, the boxes in the back. I don't know yet. I don't know yet what to do about that, about the passing the plates. Now, I said this at the first two services we did Saturday in the first one, and I didn't get permission, and so I'm going to say, and I don't know how this is going to fly. I might get in a little bit of trouble. But I'd ask you to do it by check, and here's why. If at the end of the year you're having so much of a problem that financially you can't put it together, come bring us. Bring me. (laughs) Bring me the amount. I'll give it back to you. Somehow, some way. We'll get it. We don't want your money. God doesn't want your money. What we want is for you to be blessed. So each day, each you are the, the first day of every week, put aside, save as you've been prospered so you can give unto the Lord. You know, it, it's, it's the reminder we have unto the Lord when when it says in Acts chapter 20 verse 35 it is more blessed to give than receive of course it's more blessed to give than it is to receive of course it's more blessed to give something it's because when you give you receive the reward from heaven you get from him that's why I believe again may I say to you do you remember, if you were here last week, we talked about Second Samuel chapter 24, verse 24. In that place in Scripture, King David was told by Gad that God wants you to build an altar to him. So he says, go to Arana's place, go to his threshing floor, get his threshing floor, and build an altar unto the Lord. So King David goes, Arana sees him coming from a distance and says, why? Who am I that my king would come to my place? And David says, I've come to purchase your threshing floor. Do you remember the story? So he says that. And so Arana says to him, let me give you my threshing floor. Let me give you the oxen. Let me give you the wood. Let me give you all that you need. And David said to him in 2 Samuel 24, 24, no. I will not offer to the Lord my God that which has cost me nothing. And I believe David understands it's more blessed to give than it is to receive because when you give unto the Lord, as was David's purpose, he knew that he would be blessed back by God, that he couldn't stop this cycle of giving, and that what he gave unto the Lord, the Lord would far outgive him, couldn't outgive God. I want to close with this story. Look at with me, please, at Matthew chapter 19. We're going to close here. It's a story you well know. It's a story about a young man who all we know about him is he is called a rich young ruler. Remember the story? He came to Jesus Christ, it says in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 16. It says, Behold, one came to Jesus and said, Teacher, he calls him teacher. He's not calling him uh, Lord. He, he doesn't see him as a savior. He sees him as a great teacher. Teacher, he says, What good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? 
And so Jesus Christ asks him this question, Why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. Jesus has planted the seed saying that he is the one who is good. But that's neither here nor is it there. Jesus is going to talk about something else in this parable, in this story. Why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one good. But, he says in the middle of verse 17, If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Now the young ruler said to him, the rich young ruler said to him, Which ones? Which ones am I to keep? He says to him. And Jesus said in verse 18, Don't murder anybody. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Verse 19, honor your mom and dad and love your neighbor as you do yourself. In verse 20, the young man looked at Jesus Christ and said to him, all of these things I have kept, what am I still lacking? And so, Jesus, knowing this young man, looked at him and said in verse 21, if you wish to be complete, in other words, if you want to be mature, you want to inherit this eternal life, go and sell your possessions and give them to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. So many people think that Jesus is saying that that we have to, as believers, give all that we have away to be an obedient Christian. But Jesus wasn't saying that to this young man. What Jesus was saying to him is this, Look, I told you, you want to be good. Keep the commandments. You've told me you've kept them all. So Jesus, knowing this guy's heart, knowing where the problem is, said, okay, you want to be good? Sell everything you got. Give it to the poor. Come on, follow me. It's like the story that I messed up. Give me one of your pigs. He said, well, I got two pigs. That's not fair. This guy is saying, I've got a lot of money. And what the issue is, is that Jesus knew what you and I should know. This young man's money was standing in the way of his having a true relationship with the Savior of this earth. And what I want to claim to you and what I want to say to you and me this morning is let's not be a church. Let's not be individuals that allow any of our quote-unquote things to get between us and the Lord. Let's not allow whatever it is that is your problem area, whether it be your finances, whether it be your time, whether it be your talent, whether it be you're using your spiritual gift, don't let any of those things get in between your knowing and loving and walking with Jesus Christ with a pure heart. Let's be a church. Let's be an Acts 2 church. Let's see how far God will take a group of people who will continually devote themselves to the things of God. Now what you give here, that's your business. Don't you ever let any of us coerce you or try to manipulate you into giving. No, you give what you can give prayerfully and cheerfully unto the Lord. Okay, for full disclosure, so you know there is an agenda, here's my agenda. I know, I know, I know, once you start giving, and you start getting the blessings, 
you're going to be like me. You're going to want to give more. Because you're going to want to know that you cannot give God. And the blessings will far outweigh anything that you could ever give. Give, and it will be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. By your measure of giving, it will be measured back to you. I pray that you will be blessed greatly. I pray that you and I will be blessed greatly as we walk this walk as believers. We understand what it really means to be a true born-again believer. Truly understanding the, the blessings we receive. Now let me pray. Father, thank you for this time. These dear people whom I love more than I can even put into words. Thank you for little Melody who we prayed for and anyone else in our congregation that has difficulties. Father, please, please, just watch over us. Let us sense your hand upon each of us. Thank you so much for this particular day. Thank you for the dear people of this church that we can laugh together and make fun of each other and just enjoy each other. Lord, will you please bless us? Watch over us as we go from here. The roads are very slippery and wet, so let us drive carefully and get to our destination safely, Father, please. Thank you for every single soul here, Father. I love them more than I can ever put into words. You know that. And so thank you, Father. Thank you so much. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I do love you more than I can ever put into words. Have a great day. Thank you so much for being here.